0: Welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tuffteller, your host. We're doing a series of special broadcasts with special guest, Mr. Keith Scott, Australia's man of a thousand voices. And uh, Keith has uh, agreed to be with us for uh, 10 episodes of the Good Old Days of Radio Show. We heard the Stan Freeberg show last week with his first uh, appearance here um Keith's not Stan Freeberg's, and we're here this we're here now for show number 2 and show number 2 is going to feature the Mel Blank radio show which as i said last week i wasn't aware until very recently that Mel Blank had his own show I knew he was on with Jack Benny, and he did lots and lots of other radio as, as a voice and as a, a character, but it wasn't until fairly recently that I knew that he had his own radio program. Of course, our guest Keith Scott knows this and knows that he had his own radio program and knows all about it. So I'm going to turn it over to Keith, and he can tell you all about the Mail Blank Radio Show, and then we'll listen to one.
1: Thanks, John. Uh, It's great to be back again. And uh, yes, um, Mel Blanc had become, uh, by the mid-1940s, thanks to Jack Benny mainly, known by the public, which was kind of unusual in those days that a supporting radio actor was known by the public it was in 1944, after doing cartoons for seven years, that he began getting screen credit, which was a most unusual thing. Jack L. Warner wanted uh, wanted to put him under contract in 1941 because he had become the voices of all these great theatrical characters like Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, and many others. And um, they were by far the most uh, popular cartoons In the 1940s, of any of the cartoon studios, they were the most adult humor, and they were made for a general theatrical audience. We think of them today as Saturday morning kids things, but really they were never intended for that on their original uh, release. Because, you know, before television, all of these cartoon makers thought they'd be shown once and then put on a shelf for the rest of eternity. They had no idea there'd be this... Perpetual afterlife in all of these great cartoons. And at the same time, Mel Blanc was also doing incredibly funny, supporting bit part voices on um, four major shows by the mid 40s that were um, making him a very uh, handsome living the top one of which was the Jack Benny program, then his regular appearances each week on the Burns and Allen show, the Judy Canova show, and the Abbott and Costello program. So he really uh, had become known to the public with these crazy broad voices. And by winning a couple of Radio Life magazine awards as Best Supporting Artist of the Year each year in their annual poll, his management, I think, was approached by um, Colgate Palmolive and uh, he ended up doing a one-season program called the Mel Blanc Show from late 46 to the summer of 47. He did that season. To be honest, it's it's a fascinating show to listen to with all of the uh, crazy acting and voices. But uh, the consensus was that he really was more effective as a supporting actor rather than as a lead Because uh, the actual character that he plays, which is called Mel Blank, is just a kind of a nebbish guy who runs a a fix-it shop. But he gets a chance to show off all of his crazy voices with with the weird and wonderful situations that he gets in. But it just uh, really proved that, uh, like so many of these gifted comic support people, they were much more effective knocking on Jack Benny's door and coming in as a crazy voice rather than being the lead in a in a sitcom. So that's well, that's the yes. introduction to the Mel Blanc show. Somebody but, uh, has to yeah. be the lead it, it and
0: somebody it, has to be the supporting players and if, it doesn't always work as you say yep. to to reverse that, but we're going to see how this how this goes. I've I've never heard this. I like Mel Blanc, so um we'll see what I think of this when it's done. It's from April 15th, 1947. Uh, what network is this? CBS, ABC. What? Where, where are we?
1: <laughs> uh, this is C- CBS. CBS. Oh, yeah, CBS okay. uh, at KNX.
0: Okay. Well, from CBS Radio, April fifteenth, ta- Income Tax Day. I wonder if they talk about that. In- <laughs> income Tax Day, nineteen forty-nine. Here's the Mel Blank Show. forty-seven or forty-seven. The Mel Blank Show.
2: presents The Mel Blanc Show, written by Mac Benoff, with Mary Jane Croft, Joe Kearns, Hans Conried, Alan Reed, Elvio Alman, the sportsman, Victor Miller and his orchestra, and starring the creator of the voice of Bugs Bunny. Mm. What's up,
3: Jack?
2: Yes, Colgate Tooth Powder for a breath that's sweet and good sparkle brings you The Mel Blanc Show, with Mel playing his new character, Zookie. Hello, every... Uh, b- 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 Hello, every... B- 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 uh, h- h- <laughs> Hi! <laughs> And starring himself in person, Mel Blank. Hi, folks. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. <laughs> April is the month for parties, and the social season in Mel Blanc's little town is in full swing. At the swanky Larchmont Country Club, the dance has been a brilliant social success, and as the young bluebloods leave the place, they try to make an impression by having the doorman call out their names to announce their expensive cars. Let's listen as the doorman's loud voice rings out.
4: Mr. Henry Dupyster.
2: My Cadillac, if you please.
4: Mr. Sylvester Morgan.
5: My Duesenberg, if you please.
4: Mr. Mel Blank!
2: Piggyback, if you please. (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, Mel didn't care to make too much of an impression. He sneaked into the dance in the first place. Now let's pick up Mel the next day. He's in his fix-it shop speaking to his girl, Betty Colby, of more reasonable things.
4: Betty, how's about going to the movies with me tonight? We can sit in a balcony, and I guarantee we'll have a lot of fun.
5: Mel, how can you guarantee it?
4: I unscrewed the bulb out of the usher's flashlight. (laughs) No, Mel,
6: not tonight.
4: Oh, I know why. You're still mad at me because of what happened in the movies last week. The way I hugged and squeezed and kissed, and then I remembered we didn't get two seats together. Anyway, Mel, the reason I can't go with you is because Father is tendering a very important social event tonight. I'm sorry, Mel, but you're not invited. Not invited? No. But, Betty, why not? I'm the same as anybody else. I'm as good as you are. After all, I breathe the same air you do. I see the same movies you do. When we go out to dinner, I pay half the check just like you do. (laughs) No, Mel, it's not that. It's just that father thinks the things you do at parties are so ridiculous. Like that Scotchman imitation at the last party. Putting on a skirt instead of a bagpipe blowing into a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Well, they all laughed. Especially when someone plugged in the vacuum cleaner and it took me three hours to fight my way out of the bag.
7: Well, you see, it's, it's just things like that that make Daddy so
4: provoked. When Father's invited the cream of society, he can't take chances. Oh, I'm sorry, Mel, but it's time for me to go. We're cocktailing at five and hors d'oeuvres at seven. Well, stay with me, Betty. I'm bubblegumming at nine. <laughs> Here comes your father now.
5: Oh, hello, Pater.
4: Hello, data. (laughs) Pater, dater. Oh, greater.
5: Oh. (laughs) Quiet. Mel
4: blank, you idiot. I told you to fix my ice cream freezer for the party. What did you do to it? Well, Mr. Colby, I didn't have all the parts, so I put in some coils from a beer pipe. Anything wrong? Anything wrong, he says. You moron. All the ice cream I sold today has a head on it. Hmm. Acme Pistachio. No. <laughs>
3: Look, Mister. Oh, King. quiet, you idiot! I,
5: I,
4: I. Well, no, I can't be angry today. No, I, I'm, I'm having the most distinguished people in town at my party tonight. I'm breaking into society,
5: and the food I'm serving—caviar, pheasant—tonight I'll have the biggest
3: spread in town.
4: Well, what's the matter with the one you got? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I come to your party, Mr. Colby? Because I'm inviting the cream of society. And you have no family background. (laughs) Why, my grandfather fought for the South in the Civil War. I can still show you the bullet holes in his Confederate suit. Well, my grandfather fought for the North. I can still show you the holes in his Union suit. Oh, (laughs)
5: You and your corny jokes. Can
3: I do me.
4: No, no, Mel, you disgrace me.
5: Not only are you barred from the party, but you're never going to marry my daughter, Betty. No woman should be allowed to bring idiots into the world.
3: Well, so, Mr.
5: Colby, where would you
4: be if your mother felt that way?
3: Help!
4: Tonight, I'll break every
6: bone in your
4: body. Come along, Betty. So long, Mel.
6: So long, body. I mean, Betty.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't go to their old party if they got down on their knees and begged me. I wouldn't go for a million dollars. Not me.
5: Oh, uh, uh, Mel?
4: Yes, Mr. Colby?
5: Uh, Tell Zuki to come right over.
4: He's going to be my butler tonight. Oh. Anything else you want to tell me, Mr. Colby? No, what more can I say to an idiot like you? Huh, tried to talk me into coming to his party. (laughs) Well, I'm through with him and his daughter. In fact, I'm through with all women. I'll never look at another woman again. Never have anything to do with women. When I have children, I'll bring them up the same way. (laughs) If I could only crash that party, I'd show Mr. Colby's cream of society that I'm just as creamy as they are. Hello, Mel. Oh, Professor Potchnik, my favorite music teacher. Where are you coming from?
6: Oh, I was giving piano lessons to little Bobby down the block. You know, I wish he'd wash his hands before taking a lesson. Why? He has the only piano in town with all black keys. <laughs> oh, does that Bobby play a slobby knobby? And <laughs> uh, by the way, Mel, uh, what are you wearing to Mr. Colby's party tonight? Nothing. Now, isn't that a little daring? Oh, no,
4: Professor. I'm not going at all. Mr. Colby didn't invite me.
6: Now, the only reason I'm invited is because my pupil, Mrs. Grimes, is singing there. And when Baker Grimes hears her, I'll lose my pupil. Oh, she terrible. Sounds like a hog caller, huh? Hog caller? Mel, well, on a clear day, she can call the bacon out of a club sandwich three miles away. <laughs> Oh, she can't be that bad. Well, the last time she is singing was at a Thanksgiving dinner. How was she? All I know is that the turkey kept stuffing the dressing in his ears. <laughs> I'm asking you to sing with pear-shaped tones, and what is coming out? Fruit salad. <laughs> I'm worried, Mel, I can't afford to lose my star pupil. After all, that's my bread and borscht. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm worse off than you are, Professor. I'm losing my girl. Mel, I know just how you feel. I remember when I was married to my wife. If I left her for a second, she said, "By right, George, I'm gonna miss you. Right, George, I'm gonna be lonely. One time I went on a trip, and when I got back, she was gone. Where was she? By George.
7: <laughs> Say,
6: Mel, look, if you pretended you were a music critic, I could get you into the party. Yeah? Sure, you could tell Banker Grimes his wife has a wonderful voice. Yeah, I
4: could save your pupil and at the same time watch Betty. Professor, that's wonderful. Well, it's a deal.
6: I'll see you later and we'll go to Colby's party together. Goodbye! Goodbye!
4: (laughs) Oh, am I going to get even with Colby? I'll crash that party and be a social lion. Hey, wait a minute. I can't go. Mr. Colby will recognize my voice. Uh Uh-oh. One minute, cream of society. Next minute, buttermilk.
7: Use Colgate tooth powder, keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it each night. It cleans your teeth breath so sweet.
2: Use Colgate Tooth Powder. Want teeth that sparkle and dazzle, a breath that's fresh and sweet? Then try Colgate Tooth Powder. For the new all-purpose Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your teeth and sweetens your breath. Yes, this new all-purpose tooth powder produces an amazingly rich active foam that's marvelously effective. Every time you brush your teeth with this new all-purpose Colgate Tooth Powder, your whole mouth feels clean, sweet, sweet fresh, your teeth regain their natural sparkle. It's been proved in seven cases out of ten that Colgate tooth powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. And as for cleaning, you can depend on Colgate tooth powder revealing the natural brilliance of your teeth. Yes, Colgate tooth powder, the new all-purpose tooth powder does everything you can expect or ask of a dentifrice. Try Colgate tooth powder today for teeth that sparkle and a breath that's sweet.
7: Use Colgate tooth powder
2: Now, Victor Miller, the sportsman, and that great come and get it day.
7: What do you know? There's a great day coming, man. Big as life, that day is coming soon. Worry is done and money is had. That's the time things will come your way. On that great, great come and get it day. That day is coming soon
2: to Mel Blank, who has a problem, how not to be Mel Blank? Mel wants to crash Mr. Colby's party to prove he's socially acceptable and help out his friend Professor Potchnick, the music teacher. He still doesn't know how he's going to do it, and while he's thinking about it, he's busy in his fix-it shop hanging up a picture.
4: Long nail. (laughs) Gosh, how am I going to get into that party? Oh, here comes my lodge president, Mr. Cushing. Hello, Mel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, (laughs) ugga. Greetings, mighty zebra. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. Mighty potentate, how's your little hummingbird? Mel, if you're referring to my wife, the word is bats. (laughs) Matter of fact, Mel, she's a cross between a gull and a loon. A goon. No, no, it's not fair of me to say that. She's really a bat. Why do you say bat? A bat hangs by its toenails from the rafters. Mel, have you ever seen the scratch marks on our curtain rods? Well, if your wife looks like that, how did you ever get hitched? Hung is the word. You know, Mel, I wish I'd listened to my father when I got married. He said, John, don't rush, don't hurry. There are plenty of fish in the ocean. But I married my wife anyway. How happy I could have been with a
3: mackerel. (laughs) Was there
4: much of a wedding ceremony? Yes, there was, Mel, a beautiful one. But, Mel, I should have known there was something wrong when that choir sang, Here comes the groom, drag to his doom. (laughs) Here comes the bride riding on her broom. <laughs> you sound pretty disgusted, Mighty Potentate. Uh, yesterday, my wife and I were in the car and I couldn't get it started. My wife just sat there barking at me, John, give it gas, choke it, John, choke the old rattletrap.
7: God, what a temptation! <laughs> I'm telling you, all this. It's just
3: that I've got no the
4: Mighty potentate, I've got troubles of my own. I thought I'd be able to crash Mr. Colby's society party as a music critic. But I can't because he'll, he'll recognize my voice. Well, Mel, why use your own voice? Just put on a long cape and a beard and pretend that you're an Italian impresario, a foreigner. Hey, that's a great idea, mighty potentate. What made you think of me becoming a foreigner?
5: Mel, ever since I've been married, I've been trying to get myself deported.
4: <laughs> well, good luck, Mel. I've got to be going now. Well, where are you going, mighty potentate? Well, Mel, I can do one of two things. I can go to the movies and see Stallion Road, or I can go home and look at the
7: old gray mare I married. <laughs>
4: Say, that's a great idea. I'd better send Zuki to tell Professor Potchnik I'm going to the party as an Italian impresario. Oh, I just remembered. Zuki is working over at Colby's house as a butler. I wonder how he's doing. <laughs> But Zookie, the guests haven't even arrived yet, and the punch bowl is completely
5: empty. What happened to
4: it? Uh, well, you see, it evaporated, evaporated, disappeared, disappeared, disappeared. The oh, maid, the cat, the you dog. Know. Oh well,
5: Jocky, I'll forgive you for that.
4: Oh, that's very nice you, Mr. Colby. <laughs> 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 Nice punch, too. Now, Zuki, you've got to set the table. Do you know which side to put the knives and forks on? Oh, sure, I put the knives on little reet, 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 reet. It, 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 the... The forks go in the... Well, the big spoon goes... Uh, let them eat with their
3: hands.
4: Now, Zuki, stop this fooling around. Remember, the cream of society will be here, and I want everything to be just right. Now, what will you do after dinner is over? Well, I'll clean the state. I'll pick up the. I'll search everybody for the silverware.
6: Well, Mel, here we are at Colby's house. You look wonderful in that cape and beard.
4: Are you nervous? Of course not. But just don't light any cigarettes near my beard.
6: Oh, it's Banker Grimes. Where's Mr. Colby?
5: Oh, Professor Pachnik, come in. Mr. Colby is in the kitchen. Oh, I see you
6: brought a very distinguished friend. I want you to meet Italy's greatest impresario, Salvatore Pasta Gazucca.
3: <laughs>
5: well, well, uh, maestro pasta, pasta, pa- uh, pasta, yes. Uh, well, sir, as we say in Spanish, Buenas Natures. <laughs>
4: And as we say in Italian, a chicken a
6: cacciatore. Uh,
3: Maestro,
6: Maestro Pasta Kazucca has come to hear your wife see.
4: Uh, yes, I'm a great singer myself. Listen. Oh sola, mi all. Oh sola, you all. Oh, sola, you all? Yeah, I come from a South Italy. <laughs> how I hated to leave Italy with all of my bambinos. Uh, do you have many children? Thirty-two. Allegretta, Glissando, Andante.
5: Well, uh, why did you name your children after musical terms?
4: Because every time I look around, there's a new composition.
3: <laughs> now, there's my little one.
5: Never
4: opens his mouth. I call him a pianissimo. The noisy one, fortissimo. And one is always a spitting out the watermelon a seeds, pizzicato. <laughs> One we're expecting, unfinished symphony. Well, uh, tell me, uh, is every one of
5: them named after a musical term? All except the oldest one. He takes care of everybody. And uh, what is his name? Petrillo. (laughs) You know what they call me over there? Local
4: 802. (laughs) 32 kids. L- uh, why did you leave Italy? I didn't want to try for
3: 64. <laughs> but, but I come to
4: hear singing. Where's the prima donkey? I mean... Uh, uh, prima donna.
5: Oh, oh, yes, yes, my wife. There she is. Oh, darling, oh, darling.
3: Oh,
5: yeah. yes. Uh, uh, darling, yes, this is the uh, famous Italian impresario, maestro, Pasta Gazucca.
3: Oh, pleased
4: to meet you. <laughs> Koshnik, let's go. Oh, I'm, I mean, oh, how wonderful. Uh, before I listen to you sing, Mrs. Grimes, uh, please open the mouth. I must examine the vocal cords.
3: Mmm.
5: Well, Meister, what do you see?
4: You are better looking on the inside than on the outside. <laughs> now try to warm up a little. Loosen up the diaphragm.
3: Uh-huh. I said
4: in it. Don't throw it at me.
3: <laughs>
4: well, Madame Grimes, I'm ready to hear you sing. Uh,
3: quiet, everybody. I'll come out for you. Quiet. What's shall I? Go
4: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Sure there's no reply. Everybody dropped a dad. <laughs>
3: like falling. Weary uh, Professor
5: Pottsnik, is, is this what you've been teaching my wife? From now on, sir, no more lessons. How dare you interrupt, daughter. She's a wonderful. Oh, yes. Look at the food on the table. The pigs feet just got up and walked away. <laughs>
3: That's
5: ridiculous.
4: Madame, continue the song. Mel Blank, you've ruined my party. I'll break every bone in your body.
5: You'll do nothing of the kind, Corby. Mel, let me tell you, that was a wonderful impersonation.
4: You liked it, Banker Grimes?
5: Yes, I did. You changed a boring party into a wonderful evening. Well, well, Mel, my son, come and join us at dinner. Oh, Captain I.G., I'm hungry. Announce the dinner, Zookie.
4: All right. (laughs) Uh, Dinner is... is, is, Dinner is... Uh, it's, uh,
3: <laughs> Where'd everybody go?
5: Ah, Mr. Colby, that was a wonderful dinner. And, Mel, you must come to my house some evening. Oh, such wonderful impersonation.
4: Thanks, Banker Grimes. What do you think, Betty? Oh,
6: gosh, Mel, you're wonderful. He's colossal. And, uh, Mrs. Grimes, don't forget the lesson tomorrow. Bring your tonsils and ten dollars.
3: <laughs> oh, yes.
4: And now before we leave the party, I shall endeavor to finish my song.
3: <clears throat> <laughs> uh, we we where'd everybody go?
7: Use Colgate Tooth Powder, keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it each night. It cleans your teeth, makes breath so sweet. Use Colgate
2: Tooth Powder. Do you want a dentifrice that does right by your teeth and your breath? Well, it's Colgate Tooth Powder, the all-purpose tooth powder. It foams into action, swirls around your mouth, sweetens, freshens, gives your breath a wholesome lift. Yes, in seven cases out of ten, it's been proved that Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. And what a wonderful job it does on your teeth. Really a dazzling performance. Colgate Tooth Powder cleans teeth beautifully, reveals their natural brilliance. That makes a flashing smile. So for teeth that naturally sparkle and a breath that's sweet, use Colgate Tooth Powder.
7: Use Colgate Tooth Powder.
2: This is Bud Easton reminding you that Colgate Tooth Powder for A Breath That's Sweet and Teeth That Sparkle brings you The Mel Blanc Show every Tuesday at this time. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday night for more fun with Mel and the people you'll meet in Mel Blank's Fix-It Shop.
5: Say hello to Halo Shampoo for naturally bright and beautiful hair. Remember, even finest soaps and soap shampoos hide the natural luster of your hair with dulling soap film. But Halo Shampoo contains no soap, therefore leaves no dulling soap film. Even in hardest water... Halo makes oceans of rich, fragrant lather, quickly banishes loose dandruff and dirt. Halo needs no lemon or vinegar rinse. Say hello to Halo and goodbye to dulling soap film. Get Halo shampoo
2: at any cosmetic counter. Remember, Mel Blanc at the same time every Tuesday night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Well, Keith Scott, I think you have a point there. Mel Blanc was better on his guest appearances than he was on his own show. it's not terrible, but it certainly doesn't have the punch and the bite of his characters when they appear with other people's pro- within Yeah, they just like
1: program. they're just like a quick cartoon voice, uh, a one-off cartoon voice that was never a regular one compared to, uh, you know, the characters like Professor LeBlanc on the Jack Benny program and so on. Um, and also, uh, I mean, it's, it's a fun show to listen to and it's very broad. It's almost like listening to a cartoon on radio because, uh, everyone has to match Mel Blanc's broadness, uh, that, that crazy quality that he has. So Hans Conried, Joe Kearns, they're all sort of really, um, mugging and, and, yeah, ha- uh, and ha- really hamming screen.
0: it up on that
1: show. Yes, yeah. Hamming it up. They, yeah. Yes. They were. <laughs> Um, but really, that show, I, I chose that also because uh, he did surround himself with people who were not only great radio comics, but also did a lot of animation work, which uh, helps the theme of uh, our 10 shows. And sure. uh, so we have, you know, as semi regulars each week, we have Hans Conried, who was, you know, became famous as Captain Hook in, in Disney's Peter Pan. And, um, you know, uh, Alan Reed, who was Professor Potchnik on that show. Alan Reed ended up playing. Playing Fred Flintstone, and 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 Mel was uh, was uh, was a Barney Rubble to uh, Fred Flintstone. So it's weird hearing them, you know, thirteen years before the Flintstones doing these characters together. Another one who who wasn't credited on that show was Jim Backus, who became Mr. Magoo in cartoons. And uh, was even, he in what we woman... just
0: listened to? Jim Backus was yes, yeah. This? yeah oh. He
1: was he was he was the one playing Banker Grimes. You oh, know, that, okay. That, Okay. that that sort of upper crust voice. <laughs> and then the lady who played his wife in that one with the, with the terrible singing voice was Elvia Allman, who was such a great, you know, radio comedian. And uh, she goes back to, would you believe 1932, she was playing Clara Bell cow for Disney. So, uh, you Yeah, know. <laughs> there's, I think
0: a 1929 record of, something that I have wow. somewhere that has Elvia Alman on it. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes back to the late 20s in radio, and she was yes. still around. Yes, I'd love in, to
1: hear that one day. Yeah. She
0: was still around in the 90s uh, for Pacific Pioneer broadcasters, Nostalgia Nights and things.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, in fact, I remember uh, our, our late departed uh, and much-missed friend Ken Greenwald saying that he sat next to her at uh, – Several of those ones where she was in, uh, I think uh, they did three episodes of Henry Morgan for Sears Radio Theatre and uh, she was playing comedy parts on that. And and she even said in passing, she said, oh, I did hundreds of cartoons, you know, so. Uh, um, but she was she was very funny. Uh, she had a real great comedy sense, uh, Elvia Allman. Again, like all these great radio people who did animation work as well, like Sarah Berner and B. Benaderet, who were the two telephone operators on the Jack Benny program, all of them had such distinctive voices and great comedy delivery.
0: There was a reference several times on this particular show Ugga, Ugga, Boo, Ugga, Boo, Boo, Ugga. Isn't that a Spike yeah. Jones record?
1: It it became one. Yeah, oh, it uh,
0: became it, one. Okay.
1: It, so yeah, the I Spike think they Jones did it was record... because of this. Okay. This radio but, show, ah. it was be, because the writer Venoff had created this mythical lodge that Mel belonged to with Professor Pochnik and these other characters, and their their secret password was "ugga boo, aga boo, boo aga. The clever people in Spike Jones's band decided to um, make that into a novelty song.
0: Yeah, okay, I didn't yeah. know which came first, the chicken or the egg, with this, but that, <laughs> yeah, that's that right. yeah, that answers that because I caught that right away. It's like, wait, I know that from a Spike Jones song, so
1: exactly yeah and even even the regular vocal group on the mel blank show was the sportsman quartet who were, you know of course jack benny's famous quartet and they were funnier even on the jack benny show doing um comedy music but uh I, you know I, I i still like the mel blank show because it's so weird hearing uh, occasionally he will do bugs bunny on the show or, or the zuki character is obviously based on a uh you know a caffeine version of porky pig uh, <laughs> was them um, oh, in the, in the fixed shop? I'm the president of the, president, the president. you know, it's like uh, it's like he's his voice is being mechanically sped, but it's really not, he's doing it live,
0: <laughs> right? Right? No, no, yeah, all that was that was live. He they didn't mechanically speed him up, he knew how to do it on his own. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, interesting. Well, they
1: did in the cartoons, of course, the, they had to for Tweety and some of those baby voices. Um but that that uh, was kind of well known that they were. Wait a minute! Wait only- a minute! You're
0: spoiling spoiling <laughs> me with these facts. Tweety Bird was sped up.
1: Yeah, Tweety was sped, <laughs> and uh, and so was uh, Speedy Gonzalez. The, those two really high pitched voices were they sped them up a few more percentage to give it a real non human you know quality. Ah,
0: okay. I didn't know that. I thought Tweety Bird was real. See, just just when. You start believing in Santa Claus and all these things. You <laughs> you learn that Tweety Bird isn't even real exactly. anymore.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Okay, well, thanks for bursting that bubble. Uh, okay, so um, as I asked you towards the end of the last program, did you ever meet Mel Blank and tell us some Mel Blank stories, if you did?
1: I did. I I, um, I met him. He was always a major hero of mine, him and Darce Butler and June Foray and Paul Fries were the top four. Oh, and Bill Scott, who was the voice of Bullwinkle and Dudley Do-Right and all of those. Those five people were my heroes as a kid. And uh, to get to meet these people, you know, I I look back now and think, I don't know how lucky I had it, you know. And the thing is, Mel Blanc came to Australia in 1985 as a guest of a TV awards show. And the reason for that was that uh, at that stage, I think in 85, Four eighty-three, 83, he began doing a series of on-camera commercials for American Express where he'd walk up to camera and say, do you know me? Maybe not, but you know this. Me, what's up Jack And he'd do all of his voices. I think those those commercials were shown around the English-speaking world, so Mel Blanc in his older age became world famous, you know, much to his surprise just from these Amex commercials. And so he was brought to Australia as a novelty guest and the uh, I was doing uh, some TV station warm-ups in those days uh, uh, on some pretty um, high-rating programs just uh, just to keep the studio audience amused, and the guy at the TV network uh, took a shine to me, so he, he um, arranged for me to meet Mel Blank at a radio station uh, the next day, and he must have given me a bit of a plug because Mel Blank's people let me do a couple of skits with him on air, and uh, in one of them... I got to do uh, Jack, Jack Benny, and Mel did his little Mexican. You know the guy who went see, see, sue, say. And then in the other skit, he did Bugs Bunny, and I did uh, Arthur Q. Bryan doing Elmer Fudd. So it was just uh, one of again totally out of the blue, like a week before. I didn't even know Mel Blank was coming to Australia. And one week later, this is in '85. I'm doing skits with the great Mel Blank on a on a local radio show, and I couldn't believe it. You know, and and again, he he couldn't have been more gracious. And as a matter of fact, um, he remembered doing the Mel Blank show. I was talking to him about it when we finished, and uh, he said he never had copies of the show himself. So I was uh, <laughs> I was able to send Mel Blank in those days. You know, the technology was cassettes. Right. So, <laughs> I sent him cassettes of uh, of the 41 episodes of the Mel Blanc show uh, to his Pacific Palisades address.
0: Well, that's pretty amazing that you got to meet him and under those circumstances wonderful. got to perform with him.
1: That amazing, that must yeah. have been
0: like a dream come true for you.
1: It really was. It was like all of these moments I've had with meeting these uh, these people who who really formed my career, you know, without knowing that they did, because of, of their their great voice talents, I, I, I just uh, you know felt compelled to imitate them and uh, and become a, a a voice actor because these people were so strong and and so good at what they did. For some reason, they took a shine to me and a guy called Corey Burton in California, who June Ferre put us together because we had the same common interests when we were very young. Uh, in all of these great voice artists. And uh, he became a really successful uh, um, voiceover person in, there in Southern California and um, ended up working with a lot of the old time radio actors in the uh, revival that Elliot Lewis and Fletcher Markle did, the uh, Sears and Mutual Radio Theatre. Right. Late, I guess 1979 was, was when they went to air. And yes. Was, I think, yes, and Hans Conrad was still around because at the same time they they were also trying to revive radio, And they did that sci-fi show called Alien Worlds.
0: Right, right, and Hans Conrad was in
1: that. Oh, yes,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, Mel Blank used to to come to the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters uh, monthly luncheons, and I would see him there. And also Mel Blank at one point became, along with Harry Von Zell and George Fenneman, and maybe a couple others, but I know those those two as well, uh, a spokesman Mm. for Home Savings Bank, And Ah. Mel would go around to the different home savings branches in Southern California and meet the banking customers and sign books or autographs or whatever. And uh, I have a little postcard that he signed where it has pictures of Bugs Bunny and a bunch of his characters on it. And he wrote a a little message on that for me when I met him at Home Savings Bank in La Mirada, California, where I was living at the
1: time. At La Mirada? Yeah, Yeah, La Mirada,
0: California. Yeah, now, were so, you
1: were you living there at the time I met you at the Spurdwag meetings with Ken? No. By that like,
0: point, I was living with, uh, we had moved from La Mirada, California to Brea, California. And I oh, was Brea, still, that's Brea, right. Brea. I was still living with my parents there. Then I got married in 1982, and we had our own house, and then eventually moved to Oregon in 1987.
1: Is that when you moved? Because I remember mm-hmm. knowing you after you got married, and- uh, and that was during that period that Ken and Dick Mullins were right in the middle of producing the uh, new adventures of Sherlock Holmes project with yes, Simon yes, Schuster.
0: Yes, that was yeah. that was the big project that we all worked on that and you became a, right. a partner in that group for a while too.
1: Yeah, they were they were great getting them uh, up uh, for for the general public. It really I think that was possibly one of the first examples of what we've got today of the audience who uh, didn't grow up with radio, but uh, but the um cassette sold well enough, I think, uh, of Sherlock Holmes because it was such a an accepted literary property to start with. And also, um, because of the marketing of Simon & Schuster.
0: Yeah, well, we were told at the time, they used to call those things back then, they used to call them books on tape. And it it started out with um, authors reading their books on tape, and you would take the cassette, it was a cassette at that point, and you could put it Mm -hmm. in your car and you could listen to the author of the book read you their book. Uh, And so that's the division that The Sherlock Holmes shows were released through Simon & Schuster to be a books on tape release. And we were told after a few years of it being out there that our Sherlock Holmes releases were the second largest or biggest selling books on tape that they had. And that the only thing that eclipsed us uh, or the Sherlock Holmes series was Star Wars.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So uh, that's, we that's made a lot of amazing, money for Simon man. and Schuster, and we got a reasonable portion of it as well. Uh, and then it all kind of faded away, which is it what did. It faded, statu- faded quickly. But- the status of it yeah. now is Simon and Schuster still technically own the rights to issue those programs, but they don't. Wow they're just they' no. just languished or they've sublet them to radio spirits yeah. or whatever they've done they've, they've done something in any case um, the moment has passed so to speak and should we yeah. come up with more original Sherlock Holmes radio programs which doesn't seem likely at this point but I wouldn't mm. think that they would n- anywhere near have the impact that they did back in the 1980s and 90s when they were promoted heavily by simon yeah. and schuster
1: and uh, it'd, it'd be all so different today it'd be on the internet and uh, marketed totally differently
0: <laughs> yeah the world has moved on but we're still here yeah.
1: uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and doing all this old-fashioned stuff like we're doing here all right well was that your only meeting with mel Blanc that one time
1: i met him a few times uh, on some of my various trips to los angeles but it ah, was um, okay Never, never, um, as, as momentous as that one in Australia. Well, of you course, know?
0: because yeah. yeah, performing, uh, as Jack Benny alongside, uh, yeah. what was that? What was the character's name? Um,
1: uh, I don't know if they had S- it, it
0: was Cy si- It was just a, a <laughs> nameless
1: Mexican guy that yeah. he kept bumping into.
0: Yeah, there was no name, but and then again. Would they be able to do that today, or would you get all kinds of complaints from Mexican American yes. rights groups saying, "Well, it's not a real Mexican doing that voice, and it's making I fun know. of them"? I know it's and- so
1: annoying, and, and you sometimes you think, um, you know, that, that it's only the activists who uh, who are responsible for all of this because they they tried to um, stop Mel Blanc's Speedy Gonzalez ah. character. And and finally, the truth came out when they interviewed a lot of just uh, man in the street um, American Mexicans who who loved Speedy Gonzalez cartoons. Of course. So-
0: yeah. Of course, they did.
1: <laughs> they, <laughs> was, well, they weren't made with any malice at all. They were nope. just uh, affectionate, funny little parodies of uh, a Mexican mouse uh, outwitting the dopey Sylvester. You know?
0: <laughs> and yet we've degenerated so far now in this yeah. weird culture wars and all this crazy it, stuff uh, that you just couldn't do it now, and it's so sad.
1: It is very sad. And also the other the other thing is I wonder if uh, the radio actors that we, we celebrate on these shows... Uh, would even be allowed now to do all the various accents that they listed in the in the radio artists casting books, you know, because uh, there's this 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 new age thing now, which seems to be uh, current. Uh, you can only get a particular national to do a particular national anymore. So. Uh, the art of learning all these accents and dialects is is appearing to be fallen by the wayside because you're not allowed to do them, you know. Yeah, well,
0: you're being forced not to do them, actually. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. uh, oh, well, we won't get I think, too I think far be enough, off on uh, that. There'll
1: be a rebellion, there always is, there's always um, a change of attitude after a period of time.
0: Yeah, well, the pendulum needs to swing.
1: <laughs> it does trouble is I wonder if we'll be around when the when the pendulum swings the way we want it to. <laughs>
0: yeah it'll it'll swing and knock us over as will
1: happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: All right, well, that was fun. Uh, Keith Scott, our guest on the Good old days of radio show, we will um, be back next Tuesday with another program and Keith will be back with us. What is our show for next week to tease everyone?
1: I think uh, next week it'll be kind of a change of mood, Uh, it'll be the more prestigious um, Lux Radio Theatre, which is like a one-hour presentation, and uh, the most um, still, I think even today, the most monumental um, achievement in animation history was the uh, release of Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. And we're going to hear a, a Lux treatment of that on the day after Christmas of 1938. Uh, and Walt Disney himself becomes the uh, the guest at the end, uh, speaking with Cecil B. DeMille.
0: Okay, well, everybody should look forward to that. If they have not heard it, uh, and even if they've heard it, give it another listen because you're going to hear it in, I think, much better sparkling audio quality than you may have heard elsewhere because here on the good old days of radio show, we do our very best to play programs either directly from the original transcription discs or as close as we can get so that they have the finest
1: sound available. Well, that was a great a great copy of the Mill Blank Show, by the way. That was uh, the most sparkling one I've heard.
0: Uh, All right, so back next week with Snow White and Lux Radio Theatre. Thanks to Keith Scott for appearing with us here again today. Before you go, one more plug for your book.
1: Yes, Cartoon Voices of the Golden Age, 1930 to 1970, and it's a study of all of the great people who did animated cartoons in the 1930s to the 50s who also were radio actors. Uh, So there's a great connection to this uh, podcast and uh, and they finally get credited.
0: Okay. In the a- book. Available from Bear Manor Books, bearmanorbooks.com, and if you have to, amazon.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> until next week, thank you, Keith Scott, for your appearance here today. We'll be back with you next week and Lux Radio Theater Snow White. This is John Tefteller in the good old days of radio show saying goodbye. <laughs>